Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben and this is the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast. Hey family, I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. This is an episode from Season 7 of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast and in this season we are looking solely at the wide brown land of Australia and all the different barbecue action that goes on inside it. So I'm going to be talking to competitive teams, I'm going to be heading out to festivals, I'm going to uh, hit up some butchers and manufacturers and charcoal producers and rub manufacturers, I'm going to be talking to everybody in the whole scene in Australia and I'm going to slip in a few NZs as well. So keep in uh, keep that in, in focus because we're going to be hitting that up soon too. We're going to be jumping the channel which is going to be very cool. Now, today's guest is Wookie from Grillers in the Mist, and being a huge Star Wars fan, I just love that that guy is called Wookie. It's awesome. So the team is just simply known as Wookie and Magilla, and Grillers in the Mist have become one of the teams to watch in 2020 after such a cracking year in 2019. They won multiple trophies, RGCs and GCs, including taking out the hugely coveted Invitational in November in the ABA ladder. And they followed that up immediately after by another GC the very next weekend at Kangaroo Valley. So in today's episode, I'm going to be sitting down with Wookie. We're going to jump right into his origin story. We're going to work out uh, sort of where these guys came from and how they got into competition barbecue. We're going to get the rundown on 2019. We're going to talk about the results, their ups and downs, the opportunities that have arisen from uh, all the success that they experienced last year. We're going to find out what they've got lined up in 2020. So that's going to be a good one for those of you who like to travel around to the festivals and you want to track these guys down and meet them in person. They're really approachable guys. You can walk up, shake their hand, have a chat. They love it. And we're going to talk about things um, that I have personally found interesting from uh, stalking them, I mean, uh, following them on um, Instagram and Facebook. I want to find out about their smoker setup because a lot of people these days are adding extra smokers. They're building bigger and better um, competition uh, tents and arenas and things. These guys seem to actually be taking a bit of a minimalist approach. And from what I can see in the photos, they're just cooking on one GMG uh, Jim Bowie and a Weber go anywhere. So I'm going to find out what's happening with that because they're sort of bucking the trend on that, but at the same time slaying everybody else in the results. So that's going to be really cool. And then we're going to round out the episode, and you're really going to be excited by this. Wookie is going to dish out some competition tips and tricks for us all. So we're going to find out all the little things that he does that add to the overall story of theirs at competitions that really gets them over the line and gets those trophies into their pockets. So with all that to look forward to, let's get stuck into it. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Wookie, mate, it's great to have you back on the show. Welcome to the confessional. Thank you. Mate, it's been uh, May, I think, since we last spoke. Yeah, I think you, you spoke with Chris. Oh, yes. Us, yeah. That's right. Sorry. Yes. I, I spoke to the other half of, uh, of of Grillers in the Mist after you guys won the first ever Angus Invitational. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right, right. So let's get stuck into it, mate. Tell us the background story for Grillers in the Mist. Where did you guys come from? How did you partner up? What made you decide to get into competition barbecue? 
Oh, look, we'd, we'd been mates, me and Chris, for quite some time. Um, and uh, pretty much we'd been doing a bit of barbecuing and then we went to Anaconda and got a couple of those cheap-ass smokers that were just shockers. And then, uh, I, you know, I've been watching too much uh, Pitmasters, so I started deciding I wanted a pellet griller. So we looked at heaps and heaps of different ones and uh, at that point in time, Green Mountain Grills uh, were in Australia. So we bought, both of us bought our grills nine, nine years ago, our first GMG. Well, actually, be nearly 10 now, very close to 10 years ago. Wow. We just, uh, we just started cooking all the time on those and experimenting and watching TV shows or watching every YouTube thing like everyone else has done. And then uh, one day we decided, well, you know, all of our friends like this this food. We're going to go and get into this barbecue competition circuits and uh, we're going to slay it. And so uh, that was four years ago, our first competition. Be coming up five, I think, four or five years ago at um, at Orange. So we uh, we went armed. Had to go, obviously had to come up with a decent name, and both of us are from Bathurst. So it's always uh, smoky up here and uh, foggy, and so we decided that because we both look like uh, grillers, we uh, <laughs> we'll call ourselves grillers in the mist. And uh, the other the other guy that I uh, com- competed with, uh, Chris, his nickname was Magilla, so Magilla Gorilla. So we uh, we ran with that and did a couple of silverbacks and stole the uh, GMG logo and put put it on a banner. And we went off to, uh, at first, you thought we were going to conquer the world. And uh, very first comp, like everyone else, you learned that comp life, comp taste is completely different. So we were very close to the bottom of that comp. And uh, luckily enough, there were some really no- nice teams around, like uh, Double Barrel. Um, they came over and spoke to us and gave us some tips and tricks. And uh, uh, the head judge there came and spoke to us and, and told us some different things, and uh, we headed off to Port Macquarie uh, after that and competed there a little bit better. And then uh, we ended up at Gloucester, and we did Gloucester for our first time, and um, it was the very first Gloucester comp, and uh, that's where we won our first trophy, and I think that's when we were uh, hooked, taking all these photos of this little third-place lamb uh, trophy on the way home on the bonnet of the car, thinking we were kings. <laughs> It is so, a great uh, feeling, isn't it? Yeah, so we uh, that was probably what got us in and we were only doing a you know a few comps at the beginning, probably five or six comps a year and then we started doing a few more. And uh, this last year, we kind of really hit our stride. Um, the worst thing is that the other half of the team, Chris, he, uh, he bought himself a pub. So uh, his last competition was May last year with the team. But uh, luckily enough, I've had a good wife that's uh, picked up the the reins, and uh, and she's uh, the driving force behind us. What a champion! Yeah, and it's but, also very handy to have a best mate who owns a pub. <laughs> yeah, visit him a few times, have a couple of beverages, and I'm sure he's a sponsor for the team now, and make sure you've got all the uh, all the uh, hydration that you need for every competition. Might have to bring that up uh, with him when I speak to him next. <laughs> but he uh, he has he has been uh, 
because he he cooks uh, in his pub every day, pretty much. And uh, so we, it's been a bit of a uh, a trial kitchen for us. So we can do different things or different flavour profiles for uh, people in the country, which obviously is very different to some people in the city. Um, so we get to trial a few things with it, with what we're doing, and get feedback, which is always good. Yeah, no, that's an interesting point. So, as you said, you're from Bathurst. You've competed in Orange. Um, now, was that one of the Yaks festivals? No, no, it was, uh, uh, what they call themselves? Um, oh, I can't even remember what they called themselves back, the first ones. They did a couple of years of Orange and one in Wollongong. Yeah, yeah, I'm just, yeah, it's it's escaping me at the moment now as well. Anyway, so you're from Bathurst. You compete in sort of everywhere from, the, as you said, the rural areas to the coast to the cities. I've seen you as far up here as Brisbane. I know that you certainly travel around. Now, you've just mentioned flavour profiles there. Do you change your flavour pro, uh, flavor profiles between cooking in rural city, uh, r- rural towns versus the cities or do you have one competition profile and you just hit that every time? Oh, at first we used to just do this, the same thing but um, – we're finding, say, with brisket, that there's some slight differences between country and and city. So there might be some tinkering to go on there. The the country people prefer just a more a um, a beef or a meat flavour, you know, not too uh, not too peppery. I guess we're finding the the major cities are liking it sickly sweet. Oh, interesting! A sweet brisket. Yeah. I haven't done it yet. I just haven't been able to bring myself to do it. But, uh, yeah, you know, some of the other teams I've spoken to, that's what they seem to be uh, having some some great success with. Yeah, I think I saw a team do that on Barbecue Pitmasters. Um, I think it was Lockhart Smokehouse and they called it a sugar cookie. Yeah. So it was, it, it, it was very strange to see someone just packing brown sugar onto a brisket. Yeah. So, yeah, know, I like to trial different things and go with uh, what majority of people when I give them uh, samples to see what they do. A lot of people are really honest and give me some good feedback. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's jump into 2019, mate. Tell us about uh, 2019. You just mentioned that you did lose a teammate during the year and we've already sorted out how he's going to make that up to you. But uh, <laughs> tell us tell us everything, man. Tell us how did this, how did it start? Run us through the ups and downs, the opportunities that have popped up for you. Give it to us. Yeah, well, I suppose uh, not quite as uh, – didn't travel quite as much as Dan White, but we're probably close to him. We did uh, just on 12,000 kilometres that we drove um, through the year. We did 12 ABA events, one KCBS event and nine SEA events. Wow. Um. Yeah, in the end, we ended up equal top with the 300 points with the ABA. Um, but, you know, obviously on the count back, the way the system worked, we ended up fourth uh, with the amount of teams that you beat to get there. Yep, um, yep. So, yeah, so we we did uh, the verified Black Angus was probably our first win uh, earlier on in the year at Albury. Uh, that was a good start. Uh our next win was probably Tamworth show, and then a couple of weeks after that was the Invitational. Or oh, sorry, about a month later was the Invitational, and then the week after that was Kangaroo Valley. 
So that was all of our wins. We also got a couple of reserves in the Beef at the Vines and the Russell Showdown in Canberra. Um, where else? We've got the Rib King up at the KCBS at Cleveland in uh, in Brizzy. So it was good to get uh, a six-pack from all the other teams that competed in it with the pork rib and I made sure I uh, took a photo of each beverage and uh, sent it to uh, each team, thanking them. So hopefully that'll happen again. Somebody else will win it and so hopefully I'll get the same photo sent back at me. Yeah, I, I thought that was a really nice touch. Um, that was um, uh, Rusty that put that together, wasn't it? Rusty yeah, yeah, from yeah. Oh, Mental Blank Charcoal Project. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was really cool. I, I was working at that festival there as well. And, um, yeah, it, it was really nice the way that all that sort of came, that the whole festival really, how the whole thing came together. So yeah. 12 plus 9 plus 1, what's that, 22 competitions in a year. Um, how do you find the time? Yeah, well, some of them are linked together, like some of the SEAs. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think we're going to be doing that many events this year. Uh, yeah, the wife said you can only do so many. So we'll see what happens. It always always ends up, oh, just one a month, one a month. <laughs> but we'll find out. Yeah, yeah. And are you planning on, on heading up to Cairns for the big one? Certainly are. So. That was one of the first things after uh, the Invitational. We uh, we booked everything, so I'm uh, I'm going to drive up there and drag our, uh, our new rig up there, and the girls are flying up, and uh, we'll meet me at Townsville. We'll do Townsville, and then we'll spend two weeks on a family holiday and get to Cairns. Oh, that sounds beautiful. Then, uh, hopefully, that'll all go well up there. Yeah. Now you mentioned a new rig. What are you uh, rolling with now? Uh, well, we used to always drag the caravan, but uh, sometimes uh, some of the promoters got a bit hard to uh, get in a nearly nine metre long trailer. <laughs> Although, <laughs> it's saying that, you know, like Smokeface Grillers or Texas Pits are actually bigger than our footprint that we used to put down. But uh, we've just got ourselves a little um, 4.3 metre enclosed trailer. So... We can uh, set benches up in that and we can put the machines in and obviously do a bit of sleeping in it and just be have everything there rather than at the moment when I get home I have to take things off trailers or try and organise a mate to come around and help me lift things off and it became a bit of pain. So we just look at something that we could just drop a door down at the back and, uh, and load it up like a uh, toy hole. Ah, oh, right. Yeah, now I, I did see that trailer at Kangaroo Valley, I think. Um, did you have that there? No, no, no. That, uh, Lucas had a new one then. Yep, yep. Yeah, no. With ours, uh, ours is only was it now two weeks old. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so there's a lot of a uh, lot of things still going on with where to put things and where we have to put cupboards or where we need to put shelves and yeah, a lot of lot of little uh, little fiddling around things that'll hopefully happen now. And next comp's not until. Uh, April, first weekend in April, so we should have it sorted by then. First competition in April. Which one's that one? Uh, Mudgy. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meet and Mudgy. I've heard yeah. that's a ripper of a comp. I'm yet to actually make it down there. Yeah, no. One of uh, Rob Thrave's events, so it's always good. And uh, where it's held in the showground, the 
it's like all set up for caravan, so it's just perfect. You just plug things in, water's there, power's there, sewer's there, fresh hot showers, everything's perfect. Oh, made for it, mate. Made for it. Perfect. Um, now, you mentioned uh, winning the Invitational there just a little while ago. Mate, tell yeah. us about that. Oh, <laughs> where do you start? It's funny, actually, the, the weekend before was the damn hotel. And, uh, look, my, my chicken dishes have always been really good this year. It's always been in the top five, let alone, I don't know, I think we won about five with the chicken. And um, got to the dam and got, like, second or third last. And so I'm thinking, oh, this is so close to where the invitation is going to be. All the locals are going to have the same flavour profile. I was on an R about change, you know. My wife uh, convinced me not to and we ended up winning the chicken with that. So that was the first call and everything everything just went well on the on the day. It wasn't wasn't probably the best chicken that I've cooked. It wasn't the best, you know, any protein that we've cooked, but it was just all good. So um we're happy with how everything went and obviously during the presentation we've got chicken so we're we're ecstatic we'd uh, done that and then uh we also got first place in the uh, the pork. So instantly we're we're up there running, but uh, again, just of late, uh, our brisket, I've been really happy with it and I've liked the taste of it, but it just hasn't scored so well. So it dragged us right down and uh, when, in the end, we, we ended up beating the second team by uh, one point and they beat a team by one point and they beat the fourth place by a point. So there was only four points between all of us. Oh, wow. So everyone had a chance to win it. Everyone had a chance to lose it and... And you need one point to win, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So describe that feeling when they call out your name to come up for grand champion. Oh, I was just, uh, just ecstatic. You know, didn't, didn't know what to say. Looking around, everyone was uh, clapping and cheering and so many of, you know, mates that I've seen stand up there and get the good big prizes. You know, we, we've come so close on different ones where we've done meat stock and taken out a couple of categories and completely bombed one and and not got it. Um, and then to get it and have everyone clapping, it was, yeah, no, it was pretty uh, pretty awesome and really humbling. So, and do you wear the ring back. everywhere you go now? <laughs> no, I've never been really like that. Oh, okay. We pull it, we pull it out at uh, different comps, we'll pull it out. Um at Prezzo or whatnot, we took it down to Kangaroo Valley to stir some of the guys up. But, you know, it's locked in the in a safe here. Yeah. Because um, they're, not, they're not cheap either, so. Oh, they're not, uh, they're not makeup jewellery? Nah, nah. So, uh, you know, I think they're like $1,500 each or something. Really? Yeah. Wow, I had no idea. Yeah. So it was, it was good, and you know that was that was the first ever world championships that were ever held here in Australia. So I suppose nobody can ever take that away from you. No, so you can actually say that you are the inaugural Australian World Championship winner. Yeah. So uh, Adam Roberts always comes up every anytime he speaks to me or whatever. He always oh, g'day, world champ. So that's nice. That's nice. I suppose so you got it. You got it for a year. Yeah. Oh, they. They don't take the rings back, do they? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. All right. Sorry. You just mean officially hold the title for a year. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right. I thought you meant they're going to try and take the rings from you. I was like, what? No, no, no. So we all got one. So the girls normally wear it on a necklace and, uh, yeah. Oh, that's cute. That's nice. So was there a reciprocal agreement with the Invitational? So because you won that one, do you get to now go compete at a competition over in the States? Well, um, I think we now become eligible for the American Royal Invitational. The Royal? Yeah. Ah, okay. So is that, does the ABA run that as a ballot? Uh, I think because of where we are, we may uh, may actually get in for winning the first world championship. Yep. So that's what we're hoping for. But all those things don't happen until April, so we'll know we'll know more with that. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Now that was quite a prize purse at um, at the Invitational as well. So I'm I'm, I'm guessing that's what's led to the new two week old trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it was a. A good uh, our last three comps of the year were quite good because we also won a, a state cook off as well. Yeah, you got the golden so, yeah. ticket there. Yeah, so we got another golden ticket. So it was all uh, it was all good. Put a bit of cash into the bank rather than always uh, dragging out a thousand every competition, pretty much plus travel. Yeah, at least if you're lucky. Yeah. Listening to the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd Ben Arnott. Now, Wookie, you just mentioned the SCA there just before the break, and I didn't realise you'd actually won two golden tickets. I was just going to talk about one. No, no. So we won one uh, at Tamworth last year, and then right at the end of this year, we won another one. So was that Kangaroo Valley? Yeah. Uh, no, no, it was at uh, Katara. Ah, oh, right, yeah, the um, the Rob, uh, Rob Thraves yeah. competition there. Yeah, yeah. Right. I've got a gold ticket for this year's one, yeah. Oh, very nice. So when you get two golden tickets, does that mean you get an invite to subsequent years or does the golden ticket roll back to the next person in line? Uh, it rolls back, but um, the first golden ticket we got just before – the uh, world championships. I think we got it in end of August. So we could have gone to the October last year, but we didn't. And then this one that we won in uh, November, December allows us to go to the one in October 2020. Okay. Right. Yeah. So the ticket that you won for last year's one, that's kind of voided now. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's a shame. So you're looking at, uh, two trips to the to the states this year. I'm guessing if it comes down to a choice, you kind of got to go the royal, don't you? Yeah. Well, uh, this year for uh, the weights, fell the royal and uh, the SCA are only two weeks apart. Ooh, that's cool. So there might be a road trip, and who knows the uh, the jack if you're lucky enough to get pulled out in that. Uh, it's a week after the SCA. Ah, there you go. So there's there's too many what ifs at this this point in time, or what's happening uh, next year. We'd like to go and do the royal, but oh. uh, as people like Sterling Smith and that have said, if you can get yourself uh, a start at the uh, the Jack, you can always do the royal the next year. Oh, okay. He reckons that the Jack sort of trumps the royal. Yeah. So, Interesting. Now, is it 
is it the KCBS that has the reciprocal agreements with the Jack? So if you win a KCBS, you get a bung in the draw for the Jack? Yeah, um, ABA does as well, but the only condition is that um, for ABA, you you can't have a land dish in there. Right. Like a land category, you've got to have the, the four KCBS, you know, like just the, the chicken, pork, pork ribs, uh, brisket. So if we did an ABA event that just had those, then that could get you a bung as well. Oh, now that's interesting. So that's why sometimes I go with the promoters, get rid of the lamb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Keep, keep, with, keep with the basics, keep with the basics. But uh, a lot of them like to trick it up or do something. Yeah, well, they sort of want to take the opportunity to put a bit of an Australian spin on it all. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting. So does that mean then that we're going to maybe see Grillers in the Mist sort of try and slide in a few more KCBS comps this year? Yeah, yeah that's for sure. We're going to try and do a couple. Um, they're probably going to be the Queensland ones. Excellent. So uh, we'll see what happens. We we uh, may, at the end of this year, be living in Queensland. We're just sorting some things out at the moment. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> I moved to Queensland 10 years ago and I've loved every minute of it. Yeah, so got some good friends up there, so we'll uh, we're quite possibly that's uh, sooner than later. Well, if you're coming up for a bit of a three-week, four-week trip around the uh, Townsville and Cairns comps, you might have a bit of an opportunity to slip in some some real estate shopping and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, that's the, that's the plan, but we're, uh, yeah, we've just got a few few fires happening at the moment and once they're all sorted then uh, we can make make decisions now do you mean actual fires how did you fare during the during the crisis uh we, we were pretty good um you know our worst thing is that we had like 21 days of smoke haze that you could only see between 100 and 500 meters wow but we didn't have we didn't have fire you know, that, that when you was near our properties, but uh, friends and people nearby, they all, all did. Uh, the road to Sydney, uh, if you go to the Bells Line of Road, it's just devastating, absolutely devastating. Just all burned up on both sides of the road? Yeah, yeah. And then it's like uh, the trees have been so hot that the trees don't exist there anymore. It's just like a barren ground in different places. Well, I was reading that in a in a – Big uh, bushfire like we had, they actually explode. They get so hot that the that the liquid doesn't the liquid in the trees doesn't have to have enough time to escape, and it builds up pressure. It just goes off like a bomb. Yeah, yeah. Must be horrifying. Absolutely horrifying. Yeah. So, are you in in town or are you out on property? No, we're in town. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So we were on the edge of town, but we've just moved yeah, into town. Okay, cool. Yeah. So you had a bit of. Uh, um, uh, city water and things like that to be able to help out if the fire did get too close. Yeah. Ah, oh, good to hear you're safe, mate. Very, uh, <laughs> very, very comforting to know. Um, so the next thing that I wanted to get into was your uh, smoker setups. So I've been looking at your Instagram and your Facebook profiles and it looks to me like you've kind of gone minimalist at a time in the scene when a lot of people are going bigger, adding more. You turn up to some guy's sites, they got six or seven different barbecues running. 
from what I could see from the photos, you guys are just running one GMG. It looked like the Jim Bowie. I couldn't quite tell from the photo. And a Weber GA. Is that right? Uh, we've we've always run uh, two machines. Sometimes they were Jim Bowie and a Daniel Boone. But um, since about May this year, we've been just running two Jim Bowies and we've got a little Davy Crockett as well. So we normally have two big machines and a, and a one little spare for emergency that actually uh, saved us with the chicken at the Invitational. Ah, it's it's earned its place then. Yeah. One thing that's great about them uh, is that you can just jump on it and you can crank the temperature up to like 350, 400, and it only takes like a minute or so to get to there if you, if it's just sitting at um, you know, 275. So we could throw the chicken in there to get it up to temperature and get it through. It's a little bit, uh, little bit low for my liking, and uh, we got it up there. Yeah, that's very handy. Yeah, and then SEA comps, we uh, we tend to just uh, use the the um, Davy Crockett to either reverse the or or finish the temperature, and then um, we've been using a little GA Weber GA to um, sear the steaks with the grill grates. Oh but, yeah, just to get those lines in there. Yeah, so but with this, we're just looking at the moment of getting PK grill to do the SCA. Okay. Yeah. Which particular PK are you looking at? Uh the go anywhere. Well, for the easy go or something, I think it's called. In okay. The original. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, the the PK original. It's the one that's got its own sort of little curved legs underneath it. Yeah. Yeah. It just sits on a table. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Um, I saw Lucas and Shane from uh, yeah, Roland Shane. Smoke and Roland Shane have them. Yeah, yeah, Shane's got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've I got a three K a, a PK three sixty, and I just love it to bits. Yeah. Um. So tell me about the 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 GMGs. You you obviously love them. You're running them exclusively now. Are you sponsored by GMG, or do you just really love them that much that you just put all your faith in in their product? I oh, look. Um. We've loved them right from the start, and then we approached Hark, who's the distributor. And so for the last three years, we've been sponsored with them, and again this year they've uh, re-signed us. Um, so I can't speak highly enough of the G of the GMGs because they're just um, you know a competition proven. There's so many new machines that are coming on the market now that you don't know how they're going to go over time. Um, the support for the the GMG is fantastic. Um, you know, they, I've, I've had spare parts for the new primes, but they just seem to be bulletproof at the moment. So uh, hopefully they continue that way because you know we're driving a lot of kilometres and they're getting bounced around all over the place, and they they, they tend to keep on going. Um, so a lot of people, if they've had issues, they've they've rung me to get answers, or if they need to do something, they ring me and. Uh, if it hasn't happened to one of our machines over the last 10 years, then it's happened to somebody else's that uh, that I can at least tell them the, the easy fix. Um, they're just a reliable machine. You know, in the States, I think the last time I heard they were selling 10,000 of those units a month. 10,000 a month? Yeah. Wow. So it's just crazy compared to the Aussie market. Yeah, I think the, uh, the Aussie market would be lucky to be 10,000 in a year, wouldn't it? Oh, 10,000 in 
probably the last five years. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, wow. So are you telling me then that, you've, that, that you're still running the original GMG that you got 10 years ago? Yeah, it's actually my test kitchen. It sits on my patio. It's been retired, but it probably gets used more than all the others, which is uh-huh. funny. Uh, Interesting. So uh, my original one was um, is still here. Good to know that it's uh, still up and running. Yeah, the old Daniel Byrne. So she's still going. And then the, the new primes, the new primes are just a brand. If anyone's looking at getting a, a pellet grill for comp, the, the new primes crazy not to get one of those they just work sensational people wins a little bit a bit, bit noisy but they're just reliable and they're just holding temperature right and i suppose it's like any any pit um you learn how they work it's like you know if i jumped onto some of these big flash radars and whatnot it'd take me a while to understand how they work Oh yeah, definitely. I'm I'm the same about motorbikes. I grew up riding motorbikes, but and my my son loves it when I run into like a friend who's got a motorbike. I I don't own one anymore, and he saw he always says, "Daddy, Daddy, can you take me for riding the bike?" So I asked my friend, "Can I take my son?" Yeah, 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 sure. I always make sure I do a couple of blocks by myself before I put my son on, so I know how that bike's going to handle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Interesting. Yeah. So you you mentioned the prime. And how yep. good they are for competitions. What makes them so good for competitions? Uh, they're a lot um, solider builds with the, the wheels. Also, the main thing that I, I like about it is the um, the fire pit's a bit bigger and the way the air blows through it, it's a bit more. Um, and so you don't have to, in the older ones, after about every five cooks, you have to give them a really good clean out the firebox. Well, it's this one. Um, well, the the one the, the new one that we got uh, last year, uh, January last year, it, it hasn't needed to be uh, vacuumed out the firebox. The actual around the outside of the firebox where all the ash collects, yeah, it has to be cleaned out over over time. But in the actual firebox, uh, we haven't had to. It's just they're really really good. Um, the diffuser's good in it. A little bit bigger, um, yeah. Now, I I saw a post the other day. Um, I think it was for GMG. I'm I'm happy to be corrected. Uh, some kind of attachment that fits inside the grill at the bottom of the chimney. Do you know what they are? Oh, the Don Quixote's. Yeah, yeah. Is is that for GMG or is that somebody else? No, it's it's a like a different person that's not doesn't work for gmg it's just his aftermarket um product that he has and he you clip it on and it, it keeps the smoke down lower so oh okay so it sort of forces more smoke across the meat then yeah so that's that's the theory behind it all so uh i don't know it depends on who you who you talk to um to what they think whether or not you're looking at Everyone that's doing different tests on it. Some people reckon that that's worth it. Some people say it's not. Me, I, I just uh, use it in its natural form. It's working well for us. Well, I was going to say it's obviously not a problem because uh, yeah. just j- just look at your track record the last couple of months and uh, speaks for itself. Yeah. So, you know, I, they're just they're just working really well. 
and the travel belt. That's the the main two things. Um, we like the fruit wood blend that uh, Green Mountains do with their pellet. Tends to put a good colour on everything and not overpower like some of the other flavours. Will overpower chicken or you know might make the brisket better. But because we're running a lot of the same proteins in and out of the two machines, so we're cross doing them. So you need to have everything the same. That's why we, we run everything at 275 as well, Fahrenheit, and worked our timings out on those. Yeah, I, I do the same thing. I've got a vertical offset radar hill, and I just run everything through the one smoker. And so yep. I'd, I've, I've done the same thing. I've adapted all my different uh, cook times and, and techniques and things to suit a 275 cook temperature. Yep. Easy peasy. It's a good fix. Now, do you go all in with your GMG and connect it up to your phone and bring a mobile hotspot to the competitions and use all the different <laughs> internet features? When we first got them, because uh, the first machines we got, Wi-Fi didn't exist. <laughs> well, that, that's a good point. It was 10 years ago. Yeah, and then uh, and then as the Wi-Fi, we bought the Wi-Fi in and so we um, we bought the, the module so that we could run Wi-Fi and we connected them into our home thing so we could go down the street and turn them on and turn them off and put profiles in and do all that sort of stuff. But I, the only time I ever use the Wi-Fi component is to update a firmware if I, I think uh, it's worthwhile. Oh, no, that's an interesting thing. GMG actually releases firmware updates. Yep. Oh, fascinating. What sort of things do they um, adjust? Uh all with the computer sensors in, you know, all of uh, making the the usage of the pellets more um, efficient or just controlling different things or reducing, like they changed the fan on one of the latest updates so that the fan's not as noisy. Um, and they managed yeah. to do that just with firmware? Yep. That's yeah, interesting. The, because the um, the computer in it is talking to the sensors and stuff three times a second, and either telling the fan to blow harder or not, or to feed pellets into it. Right. So they're, I guess, making the sensors more efficient, which makes the adjustments to the speed of the fan more efficient, which overall reduces noise. Yeah, and and like from the original um, systems, it was either the fan or the auger were either they're on or they're off. But it's now with technology, they're variable as well. So it can control the speed of the auger or, you know, amp the, the fan up and down constantly rather than either being on or off. Oh, that's cool. I'm a, I'm a bit of a techno head. I love like all this sort of stuff. So they, they can actually ramp not only the fans up and down, but the augers as well. Yeah. Ha. Huh. I had no idea. That is so awesome. Yeah, so clever clever people out there. No doubt, mate, no doubt. So for these trips to the States you got coming up next year, are you lining up with GMG to have some units at the competitions that you can borrow? Yeah, that's what we're, we're being told. So uh, like anything, I, uh, I'm one of those people that once I'm there, I'll, uh, I'll make sure that they're there. <laughs> yeah. Rather than relying, you know, turning up on the day. I'll, uh, I'll be there before and I'll make sure everything's there that I, I require. Yeah, well, if you're lining it all up through um, through Loot and Booty, he'll he'll get you sorted for sure. Yeah, yeah well, I've spoken to Sterling, but uh, more, th- more so through Caroline and Tim Harkin 
here that are Hark Enterprises. So they're our distributor for Australia, and they're saying that with their American distributor that they uh, they'll honour it. So oh, that's nice. So the yeah. the Australian business relationship will extend to overseas. You're not having to rely on, you know, as we said, someone like Sterling to ring some mates and get you a GMG to borrow. Yeah, well, that's that's what I'm being told. Well, <laughs> that's what I'm hoping for. But we'll, we'll see if worst comes to worst. Uh, I'll definitely be ringing Sterling. Yeah, I, I reckon he's got probably 16 mates with GMGs on speed dial. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's he's there all the time and. Where, where he lives is right near you, where they make the GMGs. Very helpful and very good to know. Yeah. <laughs> Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. All right, Wookie, now is the time for you to bear all, mate. We're going to get into some competition tips and tricks that you got lined up for us. Now, I'm really fascinated to find this out. As we said at the top of the episode, you're the winner of the Invitational. You've won a bunch of different trophies throughout the year. You've got the rings. Tell us some, uh, share some wisdom with us. Oh, probably the main, main thing is make sure you set an alarm 10 minutes beforehand. And we, uh, when we went to just smoking and Gloucester, uh, we were cooking really well and we're scoring quite well and, we're just sitting around and there were 40 minute hand ins, and it just completely threw us. And uh, the judges came up and said, Oh, you missed your hand in window. We go, No, 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 got another 10 minutes. And they go, No, you haven't. So, so I always say, Go and check exactly what time hand ins are, what proteins they are. And then set that's the first thing you need to do is set an alarm 10 minutes before. So then you know that you've still got 10 minutes to start putting your box together or go into a mad panic to make sure you've got time to get it to get it in. Yeah, because uh, that 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 cost us severely. Oh, so you actually like completely missed it? They wouldn't even let you do like a slide it in a couple of seconds after. No, no. Ouch. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it hurt, and uh, we I think we needed two sixty five for um, our pork box to to have taken it out, but. You learn hard. <laughs> yeah, you certainly won't be making that mistake again. Yeah, yeah. so that's we always got those, and sometimes we have dual alarms for them. So we'll have a ten-minute warning, and then they have one when uh, when the handing goes. So we know we've got five minutes. I wonder if if with all these um, uh, virtual reality assistants and things, you could actually program Siri to give you like vocal prompts. You just have Siri say, "Wookie, you have ten minutes till hand in." <laughs> Wookie, you have nine minutes to hand in. I wonder how long that would last before you just threw the phone <laughs> in a bucket of water. <laughs> yeah, we've got little alarms, little alarms that go off. So, um, and then probably the main thing that I always say is everyone, they'll say they're doing practices, but they never record times and how long things are taking. And so I've got records of pretty much every comp that we've done and what times we've booked in and then what actual times it did take. So silly things like if you're, if you're cooking up here where where I live or even where Chris lives, he's at 900 metres above sea level. So water boils at 97 instead of 100. Ah. So, so instantly 
it takes a lot longer to do your cook. So we might do a practice cook up here and it might say take five hours to do it and you get down to Sydney on the on the beaches and uh, it's taken three and a half or three and a quarter hours. So yeah. the, um, the, the pellet grills with all their sensors and computer controllers don't negate that problem? No, I, I think it's just still the – that's what the meat cooks at or water. You know, it doesn't matter how good your things are. Water will always boil at that and it will take more energy to get that meat protein through. Yeah, sure. Sure, I'd, yeah. I understand. Yeah, I'd, I just kind of figured with the uh, with the unit measuring the meat temperature and then controlling both the oxygen and the pellets that they'd – that that'd sort of balance that out. Maybe that'll be the next firmware update. <laughs> so, you know, we, we just find this sometimes things work differently and sometimes it's uh, different meats as well, depending on the, the marbling that's in them or not. So we, we write those sorts of things down. And so and do you just have like a, just a paper notebook for that or do you keep like one note on an iPad or ha- how do you go about doing it? So I've got um, like an Excel program that I'll print out, print out each time uh, for each competition and then I write on it so that I can vary times or if I've try, tried something or we're doing a different thing or, uh, you know, you turn up and promote a challenge is something bizarre that we've already done before. We've got a bit of an idea of times as well. Okay. So, so we'll, I'll have a hard copy that I'll write on and then I've got a uh, electronic copy that I – I keep in case things all go pear shaped. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then when I get home, I'll uh, I'll adjust what we actually did. So then I can have a look and see what we budgeted on and what actually occurred. Interesting. So you'd have uh, your step by steps written out, and then one column for your budgeted time, what you think it's going to take you, and then an empty column for handwritten <laughs> notes for what actually happened. Yeah, I just normally just write next to where it is. So yeah. It's weird, weird spreadsheet, but, uh, yeah, I can just write over the top of it. But it's all timed, all in timeline, so they're linked. And also when, you, when you're setting up, depending on how uh, a promoter's decided to do something, uh, you know, they might put lamb first or they might put lamb last and that might clash with where your chicken needs to go on or where your wrapping of your beef is or so you can at least see where they are and then you can at least move them around a, a little bit as well. Yeah, I'd, I guess that, that would add to the challenge, wouldn't it? At least with yeah. the um, in the KCBS competitions with just the four handings, they're always the same ones at the same yep. time in the same order. Yep. yep. Certainly yeah. adds to the challenge. It makes it a bit more interesting though when you've got to change it before each comp. Yeah, I'm probably one of those people that just likes to do like that KCBS, just the same thing, the same time and – Repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm very much that sort of way. I think my son's the same way. I I don't know if you've got Netflix, but I can't tell you how many times we've watched every single episode of Final Space. <laughs> yeah. Oh, mate, I tell you what, unbelievable. All right, so we've got alarms 10 minutes before hand in. We've got do your homework, so not just tracking your cooks at home, but also tracking your cooks at the competition. Um, yeah. What else you got up your sleeve for us? Uh, probably one of the things is not to get too disappointed with uh, your scores. We always want 
great scores, but there's so many judges and different people that you get put on the table, and that's just the the thing with this competition. You know, we can't get the exact same people. It'd be nice if you could. Um, so sometimes, you know, you walk away and you're, you're quite disappointed, but, you know, if you sit back and just look at it as a – it is a sport and the judges are a slightly different like any, say, referee, I've got to accept that. I think once you start doing that, then uh, you don't take it to, as hard as much. Yeah, so you got to sort of accept what the referee says. Now, do you think we're going to see something like what they do in soccer where people are going to be walking for the hand-ins and they're going to fall down and pretend they've broken their leg just to try and get a special <laughs> special compensation from the judges and then once they realise they've got that, they pop up and just run back to their tents again? And Who knows? Hopefully not. Hopefully not. No, I hope not. I was just being silly, but uh, yeah, those those soccer players kind of get to me. Yeah, I mean, probably the you know depending on uh, how your team set up. So most of the time, I'm now cooking, say by myself. You know, my wife wife's there to help me do parsley and and make the box look pretty. But the actual cook's all done by me. Um, so just being aware of your your times, I suppose, and doing that uh, with your practice. Um, I forget where I was going with this. Um, Were you heading towards like uh, some kind of planner device that you put up on a on a whiteboard or something? No, no, because that's all I've already got the the printout on all of that. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I forgot which. That's all right. Yeah. That's all right. Move on to the next one, and we'll circle back when it comes to you. Yeah. Um, have fun. That's, I suppose, the main thing is having fun. Um, make make sure that you're, you're refreshed and right, right from the beginning with your timing. So, look, when we first started, our times we'd take 12 hours to cook a brisket because that's how the best briskets are. But 12 hours later, that you know, that means that you're, you're up at 11 o'clock at night and then at 12 o'clock in the afternoon, 1 o'clock in the afternoon when you're actually cutting your brisket up and trying to make it look pretty in the box. You're that tired and stuff that you just don't care and you say, oh, I'll just throw it in the box. So, you know, that's why we started upping our temperatures to 275. And, like, some of these guys with their drums that are at 300, 310 sort of thing, you know, they're cooking their briskets four or five hours. I uh, heard some as high as 350. Yeah. That's a very, fun. very fine margin of error there. Like, you've got to be really confident with your skills to be able to ramp a brisket up to 350. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, cook it at 350, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, the, just the window of between done and not, you know, and overdone is, you know, you, you start getting into probably like a 10-minute window that you might be lucky enough to pick off if, if less. Yeah. Maybe it's other, you know, if you're cooking at 225, you go, oh, yeah, it's going to be ready in the next 30 to 40 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's what we, we've, we've played with 300. Um just the 275 seems to be where we like to be at. Um, yeah. Yeah, I find it's a nice relaxed window for doneness. Yeah. And then yeah. just given given everything everything other than chicken, we rest. Okay. How long do you rest them for? Uh, well, briskets between two and three hours. Um, down to say like pork ribs is still an hour. Wow. So – do you, do you like keep them in a cambro then to hold them at yeah. at uh, box temperature for that long? Yeah, 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 yeah. 
interesting. Depending on uh, what time of year to whether or not, like, uh, last weekend at the dam, all you had to do was open up the Cambro for five minutes to get it to temperature. <laughs> <laughs> Whereabouts other comps, uh, you know, you've got to get boiling water and tip it in to warm them up. I did uh-huh. um, I did see yeah. uh, one guy had, other, had an electric one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can use the electric one, um, but once you put the meat in, you're not allowed to have it plugged into electric. Oh, really? Yeah, so your Cambro, you can have them so you can preheat them to whatever temperature. So some of you can go right here, dial it into 65 degrees seat and uh, get it sitting there. But once you put any meat in it, then it's got to be – Without power, otherwise that's like a disqualification. Interesting. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. So some people will get uh, like uh, bricks and put bricks in their pit or wherever and heat them up and then put them in their Cambro and get the Cambro to the temperature they want. That's a good trick too. Yeah. All right. So did that other uh, tip and trick come back to your mind? No, nah, it hasn't. It's gone. That's <laughs> all right. That's all right. We'll get it next time. Well, hope, hopefully uh, we uh, continue with the full sale like we did at the end of last year and it becomes all good. Mate, I'm absolutely convinced you will. And anyone I talk to when they ask me, what, like, who are the teams to watch this year, you're on my list. <laughs> well, we've been, we've been lucky and um, I suppose a lot of it is a lot of people got to good group of guys that all kind of respect and, you know, we all help each other out and everyone's quite happy to talk what they're doing or what, you know, rubs that they're using. Um, obviously everyone keeps a couple of, couple of things up their sleeves, but most of the time everything's uh, all there. Yeah, I find most um, most competitive barbecuers will give you about 95% of what they're doing. Yeah. Which is amazing. There's so many young yeah, you know, so many new young teams that are out there that, you know, if they, you know, if we didn't get help like from, you know, Neil and them with Double Barrel, then, uh, you know, we, we wouldn't be on the path that we're on. Um, you know, and there's a, a bunch of us, we all have like uh, little cups that we we play for. So with it, you know, Full Throttle and Angus Reserve and Aussie Boys, Texas, um We've got like a crazy donkey cup that we we compete for just on the side with little side bets and fill up drinks and or a brisket cup and there's a mutton mug and all fun things. And, you know, a lot of us all, you've got to show a photo of what you handed in. We keep it amongst ourselves, but it's it's quite, quite amusing to see what some of the other teams are doing. Yeah, that's, but, that's really nice to hear that there's like a little sort of side pot community happening there. <laughs> Good fun. All righty, Wookie. We might uh, start to wrap this up now. I've uh, I've taken up about an hour of your time, um, so I'm going to hand the studio over to you now. So give some shout outs to whoever you want to give shout outs to, and tell everybody where they can track you down on the internet. Oh uh, yeah, we're just on Facebook. Will is in the mist. Um, if you have any questions with the GMGs, send them through. We get quite a few with all different things or what they're doing and temperatures and things we normally give you some advice where to start with um hearth enterprises have just been fantastic with uh, the gmg so thanks caroline and tim for uh, supporting us um also 
Mike with barbecue uh, with the Oak Ridge Barbecue. Uh, he's always supplied us with some uh, good product that's uh, helped us out along the way. Beautiful, man. That's fantastic. So once again, I just want to say thank you very much for coming on the show and best of luck for the rest of 2020. Thank you. And there you have it, family. That is it for today's show. How interesting was that to hear from Wookie from Grillers in the Mist? I actually didn't realise that he was now that, that he had done the second half of 2019 as a one-man team. To be able to rock into the Invitational and walk out with those rings as a one-man team – that is pretty darn cool. And hats off to his wife for jumping in and getting involved as well. That is really awesome to see that a family can come together like that. And at the end of the day, that's what barbecue is all about. It's about that family all hooking in, all getting together and all having a good time. Absolutely amazing. So big thank you to Wookie. We talked about the 2019 results, the ups and downs, the opportunities that have happened for them. So they've got the Royal on the horizon. They've got the SCA World Championships on the horizon. There's a good chance they might end up throwing the Jack in there as well. He's coming up to Queensland. He's hitting up the far north Queensland on a tour whilst looking for housing to move here. How cool is that? And we talked about the GMGs. We talked about just about everything you'd ever need to know about a GMG pellet grill. And as he said, if you did have any questions, just jump onto the socials and hit him up. And then we rounded out the episode talking about those competition tips and tricks. So there were some little pearls of wisdom in there which will help you uh, help you get those few extra little percents out of your performance there in the competitions. And if you're cooking in the backyard, they are going to take you from being king of the barbecue in your street to king of the barbecue in your neighborhood. So that is really awesome. So I'm going to leave you with one last thought. If you are looking for the hottest barbecue merch out there, head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com slash shop and check it out. There's a link in the description for this episode. And if you buy a shirt, cap, tumbler or hoodie, I will love you forever because that's going to give us a couple of bucks towards our trip to the NBBQA conference in Louisville in April over in Kentucky, which is the home of bourbon. I'm very excited about that. Um, I'm actually going to be presenting on stage over there at the conference. At, at the conference. I better be able to say the word right before I go over and stand up there in front of people. Um, so that's going to be really awesome, really fun, and we're looking forward to that. So until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions.